10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Valencia, this is The Breakfast Show with Mal Krishnasamy. Happy New Year! Welcome to The Breakfast Show. I'm Malavili Krishnasamy and joining me today is Serdar Ferret, founder of Lift to Ed. And we'll be discussing how uh, immersive storytelling can inspire social change. I couldn't read my writing there. It's Tuesday morning. This is Teachers Talk Radio and we are live. Live from Valencia. This is The Breakfast Show with Mal Krishnasamy on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back and Happy New Year and yes, I'm still playing Christmas music. <laughs> I'm hoping it'll brighten up your commute. I know quite a number of people. It's your first day back today in the UK. I mean, normally in the UK, I would have taken down decorations by now. But as many of my regular listeners know, I'm in Spain. And I know there's only one hour time difference, but in Spain, who knew? But there's yet another celebration on the 6th of January. Epiphany. Though nobody's heard of the word epiphany around here. Because when everyone was talking about when the people around here were talking about 6th of January, and I was like, oh, yeah, epiphany. And they just looked at me like, what? But um, they do the celebration of the three kings. And I thought, celebration of the three? What, what, what's that about then? And so, you know, the three kings <laughs> that went over to, according to the story, to Jesus and when he was born gave presents. Well, they celebrate that. And it's quite a big deal. Our street, if you look at it, it looks like something out of Willy Wonka. I mean, they've got these huge market stalls out. There's going to be a parade. Um, There's sweets galore on these and toys. And it feels like it's bigger than Christmas. I mean... It was a bit strange that Christmas Eve was bigger than Christmas Day, but this seems bigger than Christmas Eve. It is where I am in Valencia anyway. Um, And Harry Waters, who's in, uh, I think he's in Madrid, 
And he was saying it's absolutely mental where he is. He needs to wear a hat because, you know, otherwise you're going to get your head. Um, somebody's going to throw your um, throw sweets at your head. <laughs> I don't think they're mean to throw it at your head. I think it's just kind of like a celebration if it gets out of control. Kira Duggan on the chat says, Mata, the Man United player, used to go around the local primary school and give gifts on the 6th of January for the local children to mark the day. Oh, how lovely. That That is really, really, that's love. That's brightened up my day. <laughs> that's absolutely lovely. Um, I mean, really, I shouldn't be surprised in terms of uh, Spain celebrating the three kings because, um, like everyone, there was a bank holiday here. Uh, everyone had the day off here for Immaculate Conception Day, which <clears throat> I thought somebody was joking, and I was like, "Well, how do they know?" <laughs> I mean. How do they know this is the day to celebrate Immaculate Conception? I mean, Mary didn't even know. So I'm just, yeah. How, I, yeah, anyway, okay. I'll, I'll move away from that. I'll move away because I just find that mind-boggling. Um and Kira Duggan, Kira, tell us where you're listening in from. One of the many influences of the Catholic Church councils. Ah, RE teacher here. Oh, Kira's gonna. Oh, you calling in? Smart. <laughs> you're like my first caller in so long. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Yes. Hi. Good morning. I can hear you. What well, happy new year? Happy um, new year to you too. Thank you. I'm calling in from Manchester. Yeah, our teacher here, you are properly getting into the Catholic traditions of Spain. That is a heavy Ooh. topic. Oh, for, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I looked at the kit because my kids are starting um, Spanish schools next week. And I was looking at the holidays and it was just, it was amazing. <laughs> but yeah. it didn't even say Easter because it was like, and yeah, it didn't say Easter. There was like a day here and a day there for Easter. But there were all these other days left, right and centre across the oh, year. Absolutely. Wait till you get to like Pentecost and all of the festivals. And have you had a Halloween yet out in Spain? No. You no. are in for a treat. No, we take, well, we arrived a week after Halloween. Right. So, oh, yeah. Well, you'll love it next year, particularly your kids. Yeah. Um, it puts America to shame, but also a lot of the like religious traditions come out as well. It's very, very fascinating, particularly as an observer. Um, yeah. to have a look. But here, look it, I'll let you get on with your show and I'll get... Oh, no, tell us, have you been, you know, you, you sound like, I know you're an RE teacher, but it sounds like you've been over here and witnessed quite a bit of this. Oh, I have, I have, and particularly in Italy. I lived in Italy for quite a while, mm. um, lived just outside of the Vatican, and honestly, the big festivals in mainland Europe are something to behold. They will mm. carry statues, statues down the streets, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, there's so much praying, but there's so much joy as well. Yeah. It's not like the Catholicism that I got brought up with. Um, mm. It's very, very interesting, and I will be fascinated to hear 
what you think of it as you experience it. Yeah, I'll let you know next week. <laughs> Wonderful. I look forward to it. Well, have a Thanks for day. listening in. Happy New Year. <laughs> oh, wow. So I'm very excited about... Um, thursday night because we're gonna have there's gonna there's parties galore as well are you looking to take your phonics practice forward then little wondle letters and sounds revised is the program for you created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics little wondle letters and sounds revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind the program offers complete support for your phonics teaching alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. A variety of mitigations are in place in schools across the UK as fears of COVID remain high. In England, secondary pupils will have to wear face coverings in classrooms, as well as communal areas but staff will not be expected to wear a mask while teaching. Education Secretary Nadim Sahawi is taking advice in case of mass staff absence. Schools in England are also required to keep hygiene and ventilation measures in place. In Wales, all staff and pupils have been expected to wear a mask indoors in secondary schools since the end of November. The start of the new term has also been delayed until the 10th of January to give schools time to prepare and secondary pupils will be expected to take a lateral flow test three times a week. The Welsh Government has also lowered the self-isolation period from 10 to 7 days if the person has a negative test on the 7th day. In Scotland, pupils and staff have been required to wear face coverings in secondary schools since the second lockdown. Staggered start times, one-way systems, restrictions on assemblies and twice-weekly testing are also present in schools in Scotland. People in Scotland must isolate for 10 days when they or someone in their household tests positive for COVID. In Northern Ireland, children must remain at home if they develop symptoms until they have a negative result. Pupils must also test twice a week. Staff and secondary school pupils must also wear a mask while on site. This has been your daily education news briefing with Gail Glenn.
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Happy New Year! This is the first in a short series on the New Year's resolution a lot of us make and the effect tech can have on it. Can technology really help us get fit and healthy? According to the Fitness Industry Association, around 80% of people who sign up to a gym in January stop going in February. Can technology provide a free alternative? Now before I start, I need to throw down a disclaimer here. I'm assuming you already have a mobile device that is capable of running apps, therefore the cost of the device is written off, and I take no responsibility for any pain, both physical and or mental that you will inflict on yourself. You are responsible for your own scaling and moderation. That being said, there are thousands of free fitness apps out there. The first barrier for teachers is time. School Week have reported one in four teachers working over 60 hours a week, so in a 12-hour day, where do you fit a workout in? If the gym's out of the question, what are the other alternatives that are time flexible? Let's start with some totally free options. YouTube is full of fitness videos and challenges from sit-ups and press-ups to squats and chin-ups. A more extreme example is Athlean X. This channel is dedicated to workouts with pro trainer Jeff Cavalier. Some claim it to make a difference in just seven minutes a day. This may seem crazy, but seven minutes is a lot more than nothing and adds up to more than three quarters of an hour per week. If you're more of a social media motivated person, How about one of the many fitness tracking apps for walking, running or cycling? Most have a free basic package and in-app purchases for additional features. If I use Strava as an example, a free basic package allows you to track your exercise, join friends, set challenges and meet people around the globe with similar interests. My only word of warning would be to ensure you consider your profile settings to keep yourself safe. Hiding the start and end of a walk, run or ride for example, will stop your home being shown on a map. For most people pushed for time, this will be where you start and end your exercise. Also, if you exercise regularly at the same time, this could be showing the world where you're likely to be or when your house is empty. For those who want to start softly and just be a bit more active, a less intensive option may be having a step counting app. Again, there are lots of different apps out there. My example is Sweatcoin, a free app that allows you to earn Sweatcoins, a form of digital currency that can be traded in the Sweatcoin store for discount codes, vouchers, and even given to good causes. This is a simple app and can run in the background, so you don't even need to remember to switch it on. Finally, calorie counter apps are a great way to look at what is actually going on in your body in the first place. On apps like MyFitnessPal, you can log your weight, calorie consumption, calorie output, and also have the ability to sync this with other fitness apps, so you don't need to log your exercise twice. As long as you're honest and log all of those glasses of Prosecco, not just the first, you're rewarded with detailed feedback on not only your calorie intake and output, but where those calories came from. Whatever you choose to do for the new you in the new year, why not do a bit of looking around and see what you can pick up for free first? I'll leave you with one of my favourite sayings, anyone can do nothing. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Valencia. This is The Breakfast Show with Mal Krishnasamy. Welcome back, everyone. So it's busy on the airwaves today. (laughs) I had my first caller of 2022. So, Kira... You get a mug, you get a Teachers Talk Radio mug. So well done, well done. We've got Serdar in the studio, so I'm inviting him in. So Kira, if you could um, 
email when you get a chance have a look on the uh, teachers talk radio website and just fill in the form uh, with your address and we'll send over a mug um Sirdar, now are you with us <laughs> i always feel like i'm doing a seance or something <laughs> did you hear what i said what did you say i said mal all right it's Malavilli. I know. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, welcome to the show. And um, you are the co-founder of Lifter Ed. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I am indeed. Yeah. Happy Where did you spend Christmas? Um, I actually spent it with my wife's family in Finland. Um, hmm. And we were in a place called Luosto in uh, Lapland. Mm. Um, uh, we managed to get away without uh, catching actually. Um, and her parents uh, actually bought a place there a couple of years ago, but we've never been able to Oh, hang on a minute, Sirdar. Are you moving around because your mic is going all funny? Hi, can you hear me now? No, it's gonna. It's like your mic's in a washing machine. <laughs> My mic is right next to me. It's uh, it's one. It's one of the plug-in. Okay. Ones. Can you hear okay, me? Okay, I can hear you now. Yeah. Did you hear what I said, or should I say it again? Uh, you might have to say it again. Okay. <laughs> so we, we were in um. Uh, so I was with my wife's family in a place called mm-hmm. Luosto, which is in uh, Lapland in Finland. Yeah. Um, and I was saying that we'd never actually been there. They, they bought the, the house a few years ago and we haven't been able to go because of the pandemic. So it was a real relief mm. to be able to finally go. So you were in St. Nick's country. In Santa Claus's country, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And how is it different? How is Christmas different over there to what you've experienced in the UK? Well, Luosto in particular, so this place in Lapland is is a tiny little place and it's there are very few people there um it will always be a white Christmas and if it's not then we are in serious trouble yeah Um, Yeah. uh, so it was really really calming and uh lovely to be there there were very few people um yeah it was it was just what we needed actually yeah yeah um but you grew up are you from Finland yourself no, I'm not. I was No. Uh, yeah. But you grew up in Canning Town, which is down the road from where I grew up in yeah. East London. Yeah, I grew up in Canning Town. My parents are both uh, from Cyprus. They, they're immigrants um, mm. who, uh, my mum arrived here in 1972 to study. Uh, she was the first person in her family to go to university. Mm. Um, and I was born here in 1980. And, yeah, I grew up in Canning Town for the first part of my life. Yeah. And um, you were a former teacher, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And what did you teach? So I taught media studies um, mm. and sort of film studies. I, uh, I sort of fell into teaching. My parents were both teachers. They were both primary school teachers for their whole careers. Mm. Um, and my mum actually really wanted me to become a teacher, uh, <laughs> but, but I wasn't particularly interested in, in teaching. Um, I did a, I did a degree, a master's degree in documentary filmmaking because I always wanted to be a filmmaker. 
and one of the first sort of professional opportunities I got after uh, the masters was to teach young people how to how to make films and make media basically mm. um, and that was at a place called collage arts in Woodgreen mm. um, and it was level one and two qualifications initially uh, and that was my uh, baptism of fire into teaching because uh, mm. I had a, a pretty challenging group there were about 20 young men um, and uh, none of them had completed their education so they were there to try and get their first qualifications mm. uh, and uh, three of them had been to prison uh, and I had no teaching experience and they thought I'd be the right person for the job right. um, <laughs> and, and it was uh, an amazing experience actually mm. I, I, yeah. trained, I did like an evening course in teaching while I was sort of working mm. um, and then after that everything else was was much easier I did uh, I taught Amersham and Wickham College I taught uh, AS and A-level media studies. I taught BTEC uh, media studies and I also taught at several universities. Mm, that's fantastic. Um, so Lift to Ed, how did that concept come about? Um, it came about after a number of years of making films and documentaries and trying to trying to make them more interesting. So... I, my partner and I, Paulina and I, <clears throat> met on our master's degree in documentary filmmaking uh, back in 2003. Mm. And uh, shortly after our, our degree, Paulina um, managed to go to Ethiopia where her auntie was working. And she spent a month there. And when she came back, um, I picked her up from the airport. And the first thing she told me about was this uh, community that she, she'd met there called Aramba. And it was a small mm. village in northern Ethiopia. Uh, and it was unlike any other sort of community she'd ever seen uh, represented uh, from Ethiopia. This was a, an egalitarian little village where women and men were equal uh, that had pulled itself out of poverty. And she mm. said, Let, let's make a documentary about this place because there hasn't ever been this kind of story um, about Ethiopia that, that I'm, I'm aware of. So we were really inspired by this community. We started a relationship with them. And our first instinct was, let's make a documentary about this inspiring little place in Ethiopia. Mm. Um, but as we got to know the community better, as we got to know their stories better, um, and as we developed as storytellers and technology moved on, we decided that actually we don't just want to make a documentary about this place. We want to take people there. Uh, we would love people to experience it like we had. Um, so... It took us about a decade and, uh, and we made something called an immersive interactive documentary that mm. gives an audience the opportunity to look around different parts of the village, uh, click on things to understand the different contexts better. And in each space, there's always at least one human being that they can click on. And when they mm. click on the human being, they come to life in a short documentary film. Yeah. Um, so this was the sort of first immersive interactive documentary that we made. Yeah. Um, is my voice coming through okay, by the way? Yeah, your voice is coming through. There's weird clicking going on, though. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> Don't worry. It's all right. We can still hear you, though. Um, okay, so you made this documentary, and it started to become an immersive thing. So how did it turn into Lifter, Ed? So um, when we completed this immersive interactive documentary, we were invited to show it at lots of different film festivals around the world. Um, we were screening it and often there was a Q&A afterwards and it was really, really well received. Mm. Uh, the Guardian featured part of it. Um, 
we were invited to universities to show it we were invited to film festivals um and then when my dad looked at it his first question was have you ever shown this to children um and we hadn't really considered children as an audience um mm. but he was convinced that children would would really find it interesting mm. so with his encouragement we basically got in touch with some some educators and we showed a group of young children uh, key stage uh, one and two and three sorry one and two children so it was a primary mm. school um, mm. and their reaction completely took us by surprise blew us off our feet and we thought actually this this is the audience that we want to serve mm. yeah it's fantastic i mean because that particular um story that you're talking about i, I had a look probably a couple of years ago now isn't it? Yeah, and I had a look, and it is, yeah. And um, a lot's happened since then. Oh my God. <laughs> Feels like we've been in Narnia or something. I mean, you literally have been in Narnia. Um, so we, um, yeah. So when I had a look, I was, I was blown away by it because, like you say, you can, it's like you can step into an African village and walk into a hut or walk into their main area uh, go over to a, a particular person and listen to their you know someone interviewing them or them speaking about things from their perspective and um yeah I found it amazing and what's interesting is that you've got quite a number of stories now haven't you we have yeah we've got 53 stories now um, wow and uh, from I think about 25 different countries and our vision is that by the time a child completes their education, they'll have had the opportunity to go to every single country in the world. Mm. Uh, they'll have seen lots and lots of different slices of life, lots of different identities, lots of different professions, uh, lots of different perspectives. And we believe that these experiences uh, will be really, really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Live to Ed is very much aligned with the sustainable development goals. And what I've noticed with each of the stories, it kind of breaks stereotypes. So I remember seeing one about a male ballet dancer. And could you tell us how, you know, any other stories? I know you sent me a few last night, but to be honest, I just fell asleep. <laughs> No I didn't watch them. Not that I watched them and fell asleep, but it was more a case of, oh, I'm just going to bed. <laughs> okay. But, like, uh, would you be able to give us an example of some of your newer stories? Absolutely. And how they break stereotypes or what, you know, because some of them are quite emotive. I remember watching one and just crying. <laughs> watching one. A while back. Which one that was? Um,. It was about the dad who was bringing up his daughter on his own. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah that was really, oh, my God, that was heartbreaking. But, um, yeah. Okay, so we've got, some, we've got lots of new stories. So one of my favourites is uh, from Kenya. So it's about a young, hip, cool photographer called Immaculate. Uh, she's a photographer. She has an Instagram channel and, and a YouTube channel. Um, and she tries to capture the beauty and the coolness uh, in Nairobi mm. um, and uh, really like love the energy of that one. Uh, there's a really 
lovely one from Ankara in Turkey. There's a man called Erkan who's mm. in his uh, mid to late 40s and he's dedicated his life to uh, looking after stray animals, so stray dogs and cats in particular. Mm. Um, so that's uh, really touching and, and a lovely story. Um, there's a series from Norway about a football tournament and you've got four different story worlds in there. You've got a story from China, you've got a story from um, the West Bank, Palestine, you've got a story from Norway and a story from Brazil and it features teenagers who are part of this football tournament. Mm. Um, there's a wonderful story from, from Cornwall, uh, uh, a guy called Rob who's uh, an artist and an activist and he creates amazing artwork from plastic that he finds on the beach. So he's a beachcomber and a beach cleaner mm. and he makes big statements um, uh, with, with his art. Um, yeah, there's a, there are lots and lots of stories. Mm. I, I'll, mm. I'll, I'll give you access so you can have a look. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we no longer make them. So the first few stories that were on Lifter uh, were made by Paulina and myself, but mm. we now work with lots of different filmmakers around the world. Yeah. So it's got quite big. It's definitely growing. Um, yeah. We are delighted to be working with lots and lots of storytellers. We're delighted to be working with thousands of teachers um, and mm. teaching lots and lots of children. And where do you find these stories? Well, you know, how do you decide, oh, okay, we're going to uh, do an immersive story on this one? So we do a call for submissions. We have something called Neighbourhood Docs where we... Um, where we basically ask filmmakers to send in their ideas or their finished works. Um, we give them the criteria that, that you know, we need. So we, we only go for short form content. Um, we only go for content that has a central human character. Um, we like positive stories. Mm. Um, and we, we try and promote that call for submissions as widely as possible. And we've been doing that with uh, partnering with big uh, big players and big organizations in the documentary world. So one of those organizations is IDFA, which is the biggest documentary festival in the world. Mm. And uh, therefore, we've been getting really, really high quality submissions. Mm. And do you work with um, schools just in the UK or beyond the UK as well? We mainly work with schools uh, in the UK and in Finland. Um, but we have mm. also we have also been working with schools. We have had inbound interest from other countries, and we do work with schools in a few other countries also. Mm. Yeah. And um, what is the future of Lifter Ed? The future of Lifter Ed. Um, well, first and foremost um, is is to carry on. Uh, and, and trying to reach our vision, trying to get as many stories as we can so that we can actually um, offer uh, schools this opportunity so that their, their students can leave there and, and, and have been to every country in the world. Mm. Um, we want to work with uh, thousands of schools uh, from lots of different countries. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Anything else you want to say about Lift Ed? Um, I think if, if people are interested in checking it out, they can head over to lifter.com, which is L-Y-F-T-A. Um, and, well, that's pronounced lifter in English. The word is actually lifter. Uh, oh. It's, um, it's a Nordic word. Or it's Swedish, Danish, uh, Norwegian, 
Icelandic word, and it means to lift. Mm. Um, uh, and it's lifter.com. Um, yeah. We are doing some more interesting CPD this year. So we've got a really, uh, really nice one coming up with Angela Brown, mm. which is called Courageous Conversations About Race. Mm. Um, and it's using lifter stories um, and Angela's experience uh, to start having uh, courageous conversations about race. Mm. stories at the center yeah yeah that sounds really interesting um, yeah how's how's the audio been now i've been i've been um worried since you said it and I've, i'm i'm literally trying not to move but... <laughs> no it's been great yeah don't worry it's been great um yeah well thanks for coming into the studio and talking to us Thank you for having me. And, um, yeah, so you mentioned the website. And is there anything else? Um, do, the, you do blogs and stuff, don't you? So um, there are blogs every now and then yeah. that I've read. Yeah. A series of blogs on the website if people are interested on lots and lots of different topics from mm. uh, diversity to sustainability. Um, so, yeah, please check them out. We, we sometimes get guest bloggers uh, to blog. If you're interested, please get in touch. Brilliant. Thanks for coming in, Sirdar. Thank you very much, Mel, for having me. All right. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Colin's Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. of mitigations are in place in schools across the UK as fears of COVID remain high. In England, secondary pupils will have to wear face coverings in classrooms as well as communal areas, but staff will not be expected to wear a mask while teaching. Education Secretary Nadine Sahawi 
is taking advice in case of mass staff absence. Schools in England are also required to keep hygiene and ventilation measures in place. In Wales, all staff and pupils have been expected to wear a mask indoors in secondary schools since the end of November. The start of the new term has also been delayed until the 10th of January to give schools time to prepare and secondary pupils will be expected to take a lateral flow test three times a week. The Welsh Government has also lowered the self-isolation period from 10 to 7 days if the person has a negative test on the seventh day. In Scotland, pupils and staff have been required to wear face coverings in secondary schools since the second lockdown. Staggered start times, one-way systems, restrictions on assemblies and twice-weekly testing are also present in schools in Scotland. People in Scotland must isolate for 10 days when they or someone in their household test positive for COVID. In Northern Ireland, children must remain at home if they develop symptoms until they have a negative result. Pupils must also test twice a week. Staff and secondary school pupils must also wear a mask while on site. This has been your daily education news briefing with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Happy New Year! This is the first in a short series on the New Year's resolution a lot of us make and the effect tech can have on it. Can technology really help us get fit and healthy? According to the Fitness Industry Association, around 80% of people who sign up to a gym in January stop going in February. Can technology provide a free alternative? Now before I start I need to throw down a disclaimer here. I am assuming you already have a mobile device that is capable of running apps, therefore the cost of the device is written off, and I take no responsibility for any pain, both physical and or mental that you will inflict on yourself. You are responsible for your own scaling and moderation. That being said, there are thousands of free fitness apps out there. The first barrier for teachers is time. School Week have reported one in four teachers working over 60 hours a week, so in a 12-hour day, where do you fit a workout in? If the gym's out of the question, what are the other alternatives that are time flexible? Let's start with some totally free options. YouTube is full of fitness videos and challenges from sit-ups and press-ups to squats and chin-ups. A more extreme example is Athlean X. This channel is dedicated to workouts with pro trainer Jeff Cavalier. Some claiming to make a difference in just seven minutes a day. This may seem crazy, but seven minutes is a lot more than nothing and adds up to more than three quarters of an hour per week. If you're more of a social media motivated person, how about one of the many fitness tracking apps for walking, running or cycling? Most have a free basic package and in-app purchases for additional features. If I use Strava as an example, a free basic package allows you to track your exercise, join friends, set challenges and meet people around the globe with similar interests. My only word of warning would be to ensure you consider your profile settings to keep yourself safe. Hiding the start and end of a walk, run or ride, for example, will stop your home being shown on a map. For most people pushed to time, this will be where you start and end your exercise. Also, if you exercise regularly at the same time, this could be showing the world where you're likely to be or when your house is empty. For those who want to start softly and just be a bit more active, a less intensive option may be having a step counting app. Again, there are lots of different apps out there. My example is Sweatcoin, a free app that allows you to earn Sweatcoins, a form of digital currency that can be traded in the Sweatcoin store for discount codes, vouchers, and even given to good causes. This is a simple app and can run in the background, so you don't even need to 
remember to switch it on. Finally, calorie counter apps are a great way to look at what is actually going on in your body in the first place. On apps like MyFitnessPal, you can log your weight, calorie consumption, calorie output, and also have the ability to sync this with other fitness apps, so you don't need to log your exercise twice. As long as you're honest and log all of those glasses of Prosecco, not just the first, you're rewarded with detailed feedback on not only your calorie intake and output, but where those calories came from. Whatever you choose to do for the new you in the new year, why not do a bit of looking around and see what you can pick up for free first? I'll leave you with one of my favourite sayings, anyone can do nothing. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back. It was great talking to Serdar. If you haven't checked out Lifter Ed and you're within the humanities faculty, um, whether that's PSHE, citizenship, history, and so on, it's it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. I certainly learnt a lot by checking out Lifter Ed and some of the immersive stories. And what I like most about it is it does break stereotypes. It exposes children to different lives around the world and different cultures, but also different types of families. And like the one that really stays with me is the one about the single father who's in a different country from where he's from. Okay, you have to um, forgive me from not giving enough details because it was about two years ago but that says a lot that it was from two years ago and certain things stayed with me that this man who was doing what he could for his uh child and the impact that was having on the child and the stress he was under it really gave you an understanding and as if if i was a, a child watching that i'd empathize a lot more with immigrants i'd empathize um with people who are suffering grief um and it's things like that that i think are really important that you can't measure that those are kind of things that smsc um the national smsc quality mark looks at and often because i'm a, a verifier for the national SMSE quality mark and often um, when I'm speaking to head teachers or deputies or so on who are um, who want me to verify their school they say what evidence do you want what evidence and I'm like just remember this is an Ofsted I'm not looking at I don't want to know <laughs> you know how are you supposed to measure um young people's understanding of grief um 
Are they getting exposure? That's the key thing. Are they getting the opportunity to understand? Are they being supported? And, you know, a lot of these things can't be measured, but empathy is so, so important. Um, Okay, the news is great. (laughs) I don't know if you heard the news, but it's really interesting that the government, after two years, has decided... uh, children are going to wear, well, only secondary school children are going to be wearing face masks. Uh, Teachers don't have to. And as you could hear from Gail Glenn and the news in Scotland, they've been wearing masks since the second lockdown. And where I am in Spain, I walked past um, my eldest new school the other day um before christmas when they all the kids were coming out and the the, but these the schools that my kids are going to are all through so you'll see kids from four to up to 18 and every single child was wearing a mask the kids are streaming out wearing masks um you walk down the street they're wearing masks they're in the playground wearing masks it's normal to them and if anything they can go about their normal business and uh everyone seems to have gel um people wash their hands all over the place um you know it's just when people talk about living normally the way things are where I am in Valencia is normal. We feel like we can have a normal life. Whereas, you know, a couple of months ago when we were in the UK, we didn't feel we could because um, we were constantly worried about getting COVID. Um, so I am aware from looking at Twitter, Facebook, and so on that a lot of my teacher friends and a lot of my um, personal network are very concerned about well there's a lot of anxiety out there there's huge amount of anxiety out there about going back to work today um about catching covid taking it back to your own families um worrying about the children worrying about the children's families worrying about you know and of course the government um now i have to say this that i read a few tweets from the dfe and it's just the gaslighting is pretty shocking when they use words like we will be sending out an additional seven thousand filtration units um in england and additional gives the impression that they'd sent them out in the first place um but 7,000, where's that going to go? <laughs> 7,000 filtration units. Uh, somebody wrote a tweet. Let's see if I can find it because I screenshot a tweet which said it perfectly. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Right. Okay. This is by Richard J. Murphy. And he said, the government has promised 7,000 HEPA filtration units to schools. There are 24,000 schools, assume 14 classrooms on average. Okay, and I, I, you know, bearing in mind when I was 
what you'd call a floater, you know, as a SLT, a member of SLT. I probably taught in about 14 different classrooms. Um, so 14, that's probably a, a primary school. So a secondary, you can have up to, I don't know, about up to 60 classrooms. So he's saying, assume 14 classrooms on average, two units are required per classroom. That is 672,000. And he says, so the government is meeting 1% of need. This policy works only as a measure of incompetence. Now, I'm aware that you know, many te like I said, many teachers are concerned, they're worried, they're worried about their own families and so on. But I suppose the only thing I can say in my you know privileged position of no longer being a teacher um, is is thinking about what can you control. If you think about all the things that you can't control, like the lack of filters like the lack of I don't know the all the government policies if you're thinking about that all the time which I know I'm very aware it's hard not to think about but if you are thinking about all that time that does create anxiety it's going to create more anxiety because it's stuff you can't control so I think what would help and what I say to my coaches is thinking about what you can control you can control um, your own mask wearing, you can control what happens in your classroom, you can control what you teach, um, those kinds of things. So just focus in on those things. And I think, personally, I think that would really help you. I'm trying to look for um, the headlines today, as in the newspaper headlines in the UK, and I can't find them, <laughs> which is odd, because normally the BBC, maybe news is so bad that the BBC are not showing it, which is really odd. Today's papers, right, I'm now Googleizing it. Um, the pa oh hang on the papers ah two hours ago right now we're talking okay so newspaper headlines today uh the t daily tory graph telegraph sorry freudian slip there um we can't jab the whole planet every six months 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, and they've got some sub-headlines. You've got old um, Andrew on the front pages. Oh, this is interesting. Because I was reading this from Ireland the other day. Um, there's On the te Telegraph, it talks about shocking threat to parishes as more than 400 churches close in less than a decade. And I was reading, so let's see if I can remember these stats, but I was reading some statistics. Don't ask me why, but I was reading some um, statistics about Oh, thank you, Kira. Kira Duggan has said, I've really enjoyed this start to the first working day of 2022. Thank you. I need to sign off now, unfortunately. Have a lovely day. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks for joining in, Kira, and calling in as well. Um, you can listen back to the rest of the show um, on the TTR website, ttradio.org. Um, yes, yeah, so I was reading about in Ireland... There are currently 300, roughly 300 um, priests that are kind of like, uh, you know, practicing or something. Okay, I don't know the ins and outs. This is where Kira will be handy. <laughs> I don't know the ins and outs of priestdom in Catholicism. Now, of those 300, a third are over 70. Another third are kind of like seconded in from other countries. And so that leaves about a hundred odd priests for the for like the whole of the British Isles, which you kind of wonder how is the Catholic Church going to continue in this vein? Because that, that's impossible um, with only 100 priests going forward. Um, and you can see here in the Telegraph, it, it's talking about uh, the future disaster that's awaiting the churches because there's a threat to parishes as more than 400 churches are closing in less than a decade. I do wonder if part of it is because it's really not... There are... The last five years I've been in Bournemouth and I've never seen so many churches in all my life. <laughs> um, church on every corner, different types of church. It, 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 phenomenal. On every corner there's some kind of church. And, um, and every church did something charitable, did something. And there were certain churches that were incredible that although I'm not religious at all, uh, I supported certain, you know, causes because they helped with Afghanistan, the issues in Afghanistan, which sound like they're over, they really are not. Um, but, you know, certain churches like did a huge drive for clothes and so on. Um, but there are also one or two churches that you're like, what are they doing other than allowing people to come in and pray and leave again? Which is obviously important for a church. I mean, that's what a church does. But I think in the modern age, if you're part of a... Oh, I was going to say a terrible word there. Um, if you're part of an organisation that is about love and 
looking after people and love our neighbour and all that, you'd want them to model that. And I wonder how much the Catholic Church is modelling that. And I suppose that's how Protestantism started in the first place, because there were protests on how the Catholic Church was using its money, because they weren't really using it for the people. So I wonder if part of the reason why people are turning off from the church is because they're not seeing, you know, there's a real drive for many people to support the community, to do some good, to um, make a difference. And I'm not sure if church... The church is the first place many people would go anymore. They'd probably join a charity. They may join um, a political wing of a party to support, to help the poor. Um, There's so many charities where I used to live where you could get involved in many different ways that that has nothing to do with the church, which you kind of wonder, why aren't the church doing this? Um, So... Yeah, I wonder if part if that is part of the problem that the church hasn't really moved forward. But also, when you've got, you know, particularly with the Catholic Church, you know, I'm not anti-Catholics, by the way. Uh, I'm not anti any religion. I'm not religious, but that doesn't mean I'm like anti-religion. Religion. I know that. M- although my mum, my parents were Hindus, and it was important for them. It was a huge part of their lives and uh, gave them a sense of community, gave them hope and faith, Um, which in a way I'm kind of jealous of because I don't really have that kind of faith. Um, I have a different kind of hope, I suppose. Okay, Um, let's have a look at what else is in the UK news. We've got NHS leader, this is the red eye, the NHS NHS leaders warn Prime Minister over growing COVID staffing crisis. Now, I was saying to someone the other day that on Twitter, I mean, some of you probably aren't on Twitter, but Twitter is where I get my news because... Uh, I have to say, and this is my opinion, um, the BBC aren't really cutting it (laughs) and haven't been for a few years, probably because the chairman of the BBC is like pals with Boris Johnson and co. Um, But you're not really getting all round news, I don't feel. So I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, yes, I was saying something. So I find out about what's happening through... Twitter Um, and what's interesting what I've seen more and more of lately is doctors, nurses, consultants, all kind of medical professions who I probably never saw or never enter my feed in the last well since 2010 when I got a Twitter uh, oh no 2011 it's been 10 years since I've had a Twitter account Um, I'm now seeing posts from doctors and so on who are saying this is a major crisis why is it a surprise every year in the winter that we're going to be overwhelmed and especially during a global pandemic Um, so 
Yeah, so you've got NHS, the National Health Service leaders who are reporting that organisations representing medics, there's a staffing crisis. I mean, we have to bear in mind that they're exposing themselves to COVID every single day, just like teachers, uh, calling for a more cautious approach on restrictions. I mean, what's interesting is that majority of the country is back to school today. And there's nothing about schools in any of the front pages, not one. Not one news item on that. It might be on page 54 in the corner somewhere. But, you know, I mean, you've got the Daily Express saying, Boris, uh, a quote from Boris, we're on the right path to beat virus. Mm -hmm. um, you've got stuff about Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, you've got the Metro, which is a London paper that talks about it's eating or heating. So there's many households are, um, are finding it very difficult. Um, you've got the Financial Times, where you've got Apple becomes first company to rack up market value of three trillion. Wait. You know, you look at that and then you look at it's eating or heating and you're like, what what planet are we on? When Britain, which is the fifth or sixth richest country in the world, and people here um, have to decide between eating or putting the heating on. And there is something wrong Um say with the world but with britain if that is the case jaya here and right now tell me if i'm saying this right but it sounds a little bit indian um jaya hiranandani or hiranandani did i say it right jaya um she says i hear you i envy people with faith as faith sometimes gives you hope and reduces worry and anxiety However, I also appreciate the open-mindedness not prescribing to a particular faith gives you. Uh, Jaya says she's listening from Taiwan. Uh, it's 4 p.m. there on a sunny winter day. Um, lovely. It's 9 o'clock in Spain. And, um, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be 23 degrees today. It's so weird having a warm Christmas. It's really odd, um, really bizarre. I'm not complaining at all because we were down the beach yesterday and it was lovely. <laughs> you hate me, you hate me. But Jay, yes, absolutely. And one thing I think is really important is that we do talk about atheism in schools and we do talk about humanism as well. Um, because not everybody is Christian. I mean, you have, I remember David Cameron saying something about Britain being a Christian country. And we were like, is it? <laughs> because I thought we were a secular country. And um, yeah, by saying that, it caused quite a bit of controversy. So Jaya is one of our new hosts, a new host and if I can remember, Jaya, you're on Sunday and you are going to be doing alternate 
Sunday morning breakfast shows alternating with Sabia. Okay, so hopefully I should be right there. We've got, yes, that's right. And is, and are you uh, starting this Sunday? Starting this Sunday, exciting. That's going to be great. And I just love it when we get hosts from different parts of the world because you get a different perspective. It's like Gail Glenn when she does the news. Having a Scottish perspective is so good. Um, I think it's probably time we had a bit of international news as well, seeing as I'm in Spain. Um, And quite a number of our hosts, if you look at the... um, the Teachers Talk Radio website on, um, yes, I'm in Spain, Jaya. Did, oh, did I not tell you this? How were you not aware? I've been gloating <laughs> since the 8th of November. I escaped. <laughs> I escaped COVID. Now, we managed to, we were going to move February, March this year. But um, we decided to get out as soon as we can before Omicron hits. So we just moved. We moved to Spain 8th of November. Yeah. So it's almost two months now. And our kids start in the local schools next week, which is very exciting. Jay, why don't you call in? If you can. Possible. Yeah, it'd be great to hear. Oh, straight in there. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. How is it in Spain? You said it's 23 degrees. That's amazing. I know. And I'm like, this is like the perfect weather for me. And then I thought, oh, hang on, it's winter here. (laughs) So I'm not I'm not very good with heat. So so we'll see what I say. in six months time when it really heats up and I'll be like oh my god (laughs) how will I cope so Taiwan are you from Taiwan or tell us about you I'm originally from India and Mm. I moved to Taiwan a long long time ago um it's pretty young and I've been here since and I've been teaching this whole time I started teaching back when I was in India and yeah Mm. And whereabouts in India? Uh, Rajasthan. Okay. Is that, that's north, is it? I'm terrible. It's northwest. Like, northwest. Yeah. Okay. Never each ready to eat. Okay. Yeah. Northwest. <laughs> I can never it, work it out. <laughs> it's the desert part. So a lot of time oh, when you see oh. these touristy pictures of India, it's the desert with forts and palaces. Mm. That's where I'm from. And, oh, yeah, wow. I had a... In my city, we have a palace. The royal family still lives there. They Mm. don't have any power, but lots of money still, yes. Oh, (laughs) wow. And we have a fort. And, yeah, it's it's, which which has been turned into a museum. Um, Yeah, it's um, it's got an interesting, long history. Yeah. And are you in an international school? I am. I'm I'm in a European school here. I'm teaching Mm. in a European school. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and in India, were you in an Indian school? Yeah, uh, I was yeah. teaching at a private school, which is kind mm. of like a norm in India. Um, mm. Public schools, unfortunately, uh, don't provide, often don't provide quality education. So there's mm. lots and lots of private schools. So yeah, yeah I started off there. At so a what school? 
so this is fascinating. This is exactly what I was talking about, that it'd be great to have views from around the world. Now, you've experienced the Indian education system and now the Taiwanese education system. Yeah. What do yeah. you, well, from a European And the international. I did work at yeah. local after-school programs and kindergartens. Mm. Yeah. Um, not yeah. at the local public schools, but local public school children would come after school uh, to the institute where I was an um, EAL instructor. Mm. And so I kind of do have an idea of, you know, their teaching um, yeah. philosophy and, you know, style and instruction strategies and such. And then, yeah. yes, international. So I would say definitely three or four different. And I currently teach in a bilingual um, French uh, um, program. I teach, a, mm. I teach French curriculum in English. Yeah. I don't know much oh. French. So, yeah, variety okay. <laughs> of... Oh. Right. Oh, yeah. wow. And so what if, what would you say are the key differences in the education system between India and Taiwan or your experience in Taiwan? Well, I'll start with the similarities. I feel they're both still quite traditional, though, um, you know, the it's more textbook learning, a lot of rote learning and the way Chinese languages, rote learning is kind of essential because mm. even to read a newspaper, you need to know at least four to 5,000 characters. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And each character is different. And, and in yeah. Taiwan, we use the traditional um, characters in mm. Chinese. Um, so it's, you know, that's why children are, like I feel like they don't have much break. They're studying. They they go to school, and after school, they go to after school language programs where they do their homework. They study more Chinese, and then of course parents also want them to learn English, so they have some English lessons, mm. and then you know yeah. So they have a really busy life. In mm. India, it's not that intense, but again, you know we uh, we still have textbooks and you know rote learning that kind of and there's a lot of pressure on children to perform well yeah. um, and everybody wants to go for higher education uh, yeah. it's quite the yeah. norm there um, so yeah whereas in international school I feel it's more child-centered um, mm. I feel um, especially in the younger age it's more play-based um, yeah yeah yeah, that's fascinating, actually, because, yeah, I suppose culturally they can be similar because that there is that educational, that, that pressure from parents. Oh, yeah. you know, would you say it's it's still the same in India? Because my parents, although they weren't Indian, they were Malaysian Indian. and mm. But for them it was like you should be, you know, when I said I wanted to be a teacher, they were like, you mean lawyer? <laughs> yeah, no. And I was like, no, Dad. <laughs> and it's like, so what, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. And it was, I said, oh, I'm going to, uh, you know, read history at university. And he's like, you mean law? You know, it wasn't computing. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm going to do a history degree. And he was like, law? <laughs> it's like, like talking to some kind of computer. I was like, no, Dad, I'm going to do history. And he's like, then you convert to law. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought, as long as he's happy, he's like, okay, okay, kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> but it's still the same, isn't it? It's like the, the, the was it the three pillars, I used to call it, like accounting, law, 
and being a doctor would you say it's still yeah, the same? medicine yes, yes. yeah <laughs> um, it is changing now I, I i think there's a tiny little pillar of being a youtuber somewhere there oh, or yeah. social media influencer <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, I, that's just my observation but um yeah no, it is like that and my parents never put any pressure on me but i i kind of put it's just you know culturally you just feel that pressure so Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's still there. And I've, it's similar in Taiwan. Mm. Uh, but to go back to your original question, the differences. Mm. Um, differences, yes. Taiwan is a democracy uh, and their school education system is way more uh, organized, structured, and they have way more resources than the Indian public school system, which mm. is quite dismal, to be frank. Uh, you know, um, they provide uh, this you know the, the the intentions are right like they provide lunch at in more you know um in more poorer parts of the country but then mm. um every now and then you will hear about food poisoning because people you know so so yeah you know um, mm. resources wise um the the money that is al allocated to education doesn't really reach the schools mm. who are not well equipped uh, with you know proper furniture and uh, resources and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. yeah. Whereas Taiwan is very different. It's quite mm. you know it's it's quite you know wealthy and um, you know um, everybody gets good education. Everybody you know is mm. um, you know. I mean, how big is Taiwan? Like from, roughly from the population. Tip to south tip, I would say it's a distance of 550, 600 kilometers. Okay. So I could like travel by car from mm. the north mm. of Taiwan to south in about five, six hours by road. Yeah. And mm. what about the population? How big is the population? Okay. Um, I remember it's around the population of Rajasthan a little bit more um uh, I I might be completely wrong here but I'm thinking <laughs> about 28 million but yeah I, okay. like, if we google okay. it I'm sure we'll find yeah. it but it's quite densely populated especially Taipei and mm. but it's also very very beautiful like there are tons of hiking trails you're never far away from the mountains because it yeah it's, yeah. it's an island which formed because of volcanic activity in the ocean so mm -hmm. it's got tons of mountains, beaches. It's, yeah, it's nice. And it's quite, quite understated. It's not very touristy yet, um, you know, like Vietnam or Thailand. I mean, yeah. nothing yeah. is touristy now for two years. Nobody's well, traveling. Yeah. yeah, it's true. But, um, but even before that, it, it's quite, you know, it's a quiet, yeah. quieter place. Yeah, I was just thinking because, like, with India, there's, almost a billion people there isn't there there's like mm. i mean it's huge mm. like is it population wise so you can and it's also um as a country it's mahusive it's, it's like a huge country so mm. i suppose it would be di uh, difficult to resource that the mm. education system i do remember something um Oh, when I was younger, I used to watch Indian films, and there was this uh, there was this song in one of the films, and it was talking about what Gandhi said that 
you know, get yourself an education, but come back to the villages, mm. something like that. And is yeah. that yeah. is that something that happens? Do people do that? Like they get themselves an education, come back to the villages and try and make a difference? Mm, that would be so great, wouldn't it? But I think it's the mm. opposite. It's the people, right. it's like people from the villages constantly are out, uh, you know, to, they, they go to the cities in search of work. That's the reality mm -hmm. from what I understand. Um, yeah. 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 So when COVID happened, there was, you know, mass exodus of all these, you know, drivers, you know, and domestic workers, um, you know, from like cities like Bombay and Delhi back to their villages. And mm -hmm. it was, yeah, it was insane. The, the railways couldn't handle that. So, oh, wow. so yeah. Yeah, 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 that would be ideal. And I know, uh, I, I do remember one or two movies. There's one with Shahrukh Khan that was about that. Um, mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of it. But um, no, the reality is quite the opposite, I think. Yeah, I suppose it's it easy, is. It's not easy Ooh. at all. It's not easy at all. So oh, meaning the COVID era, it affected many people. Me, I thought only in Ghana. Hello, um, we've hey. got another <laughs> we've got another caller in. <laughs> Do you know I haven't had this since my very first show, the eighth of February, twenty twenty one, where suddenly loads of people called in, and like I've got. <laughs> I've got another caller here. Uh, so after that, I had no callers right, for a, pretty much a year. And now and I've got... like two. I've got a, yeah, well, I had one earlier as well. It's mad. Yeah. So, uh, Tona Fresh, what is your name? Sorry. Is that your name? Yes, that's my nickname. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so, my you're is... in... Oh, sorry. Go on. Sure, by the grace of God, I'm great. Okay, um, and so you're in Ghana, is that yes, right? Yeah. Okay, and have you? Are you a teacher? Yes, I'm a Sunday school teacher. A Sunday school teacher. Yes, please. Oh, okay, and and is that a religious thing or just like what do you teach? I teach them about God, the way of God, and um. And how to live their life and in studies, yeah. Okay. Things, okay. But, mm. yeah. Sorry, what was that, Jaya? Come again. I don't know. I'm not sure I can handle two callers at the same time. I'm so not used to it. It's too much. Like, My head's going to explode. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what do you enjoy about teaching, Tona Fresh? What do I what? Enjoy about teaching. Wow, wow. I enjoy everything about teaching. When the children ask questions, some will be asking unnecessary questions and the way you get to answer them, very interesting, very interesting. Mm. And, and would you say the... Um, Education system in Ghana is very good, or uh, there needs improvement, or what's your take no, on it? Not really, not really. Education system in Ghana is very bad. It's very, very bad. Yeah. Um, um, why would you say that? The reason why I'm saying that is um, if, let's say, you are offering a subject, 
some of them to go through the subject that you are offering. They will be going to many things, religious things, religious and moral education and other stuff before they will come back to your subject that you are studying. Let's say if you are studying business, you understand? Mm. You will not go through the business. You will be doing any other things apart from business. But I heard Europe and um, other countries, they will go straight to what you are learning. Let's say if you are doing music, they will go through the music. You will go through, you learn things about music. But here, you will learn many things. And when you graduate, instead of you to, based on what you learn to get a job, you will not get a job. And you will mm. be here either. And let's speak, it is very bad. Yeah. So most of Ghanaians are hoping to travel outside to go and study so that they can get something better there. But yeah, it's, it's mm. very bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, uh, Jaya and Tona Fresh for calling in. It's been great chatting to you both. And uh, yeah, please do call in again. I will. Why not? I will. Okay. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> okay. No probs. Okay. So, I was talking about anxiety. <laughs> I was just like overwhelmed by three callers in <laughs> maybe this is how 2022 is gonna go now with my with my shows 2022 year of gazillion callers in and i've given away my first mug as well which is it's taken a year <laughs> it's taken a year but i've done it i've done it i've done it <laughs> And how lovely to talk to Jaya Hiranandani. Um, I still don't know if I've said that right, Hiranandani. Um, I'm pretty sure I've got a cousin called Nandani. So it's great. It's great talking to you, says Tona Fresh in Ghana. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? I'm in Spain. Um, Jaya's in Taiwan. And Tona Fresh is in Ghana. The world's a small place nowadays, isn't it? It's such a small place. Um, we've still got quite a number of <laughs> listeners listening in. Usually people are maybe people aren't back to school yet. Um, but in the UK, many of you are back to school today. Um, one school in particular I used to love. First, <laughs> I used to love that. I mean, I was such a... Oh, yeah. Um I love the first day back because we'd always have um, inset day. The first two days were always inset day after a big holiday. So there were two inset days and both mornings we'd have a full cooked breakfast waiting for us. Um, that was a great way to start. And it was brilliant because it was it was available from eight in the morning and so um i think things didn't kick off till half nine in terms of inset day yeah i think it was half nine so it gave you plenty of time to catch up with people and and there was just a nice atmosphere of 
chatting to everyone, having your food, going up for seconds. <laughs> you know, and I I loved that at Rosedale. That was um, a lovely atmosphere the first day at school and um, particularly catching up with everyone. Um, yeah, so I wonder if you have any traditions in your schools. Um, do text them in or tweet them in about what you love about the first day of school. Um, what I don't love is when you say to somebody, oh, how was your break? And they say, mm, feels like years ago, doesn't it? Um, it just kind of brings it all down. I'm not into toxic positivity, but um, it, it is a typical thing a lot of us say, is, oh, feels like years ago, within an hour of starting back at inset day. Um yeah, I'd just say talk to as many people as possible. Oh, no, can you, though? Well, you can't, can you? Oh, God. Um, sorry. <laughs> oh, that sounds really depressing. Um, yeah, I think it depends where you are in the country. Are you going to be wearing masks? Are you going to be... Um, are you going to be in a hall together? Are you going to be... I mean, because, like, in Scotland, they don't have any of that. Um, so in England, will you be having... I don't think... At Rosa, we'd have the cooked breakfast, would we? Or they may cook it, you go in, probably take it, and then go to your office or your classroom or something like that, which would be a bit lonely. Um, yeah, so everyone who's back today, stay safe. Um, you know, look after yourselves. Do something this week where it is for your own self-care um think about what you can control i feel like i'm preaching but i'm you know i'm genuinely worried about some people um and the anxiety they're all facing some people are even starting new schools today which is you know i can't imagine that either starting in such uncertainty because you might be um remote teaching next week i know at nine o'clock today i'm running um coaching training at an organization and whereas before they were all going to be in school in different breakout rooms now they're all at home they decided before christmas that they were they're going to be um remote teaching remote everything uh which seems like a sensible decision to me um so I'll sign off with what I always say, um, live for the week, not just the weekend, uh, stay safe people and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.